Welcome to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Welcome to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. Today, I am interviewing Constantine Roman, and you may have heard uh, Constantine in such bands as Acker, Marathon, and Hassa, Power of Dusk, and earlier on, Milanome. So, Constantine, welcome to the show. Hi. There you go. (laughs) Today, we're going to be listening to the... Uh, one of the movements of the Beyond Yesterday's Grasp soundtrack, which is based on a video game. So we're going to listen to one movement of Beyond Yesterday's Grasp, and it's called Servitude, with the subtitle of Exploration Reprise. Mm -hmm. And there, let's see. So I guess without further ado, let's listen to this song. And then we'll just talk about it and the overall soundtrack all together.
you were approached by a software company to write the soundtrack for um sort of it was actually it it was kind of an interesting story what happened with that um the person that had approached me about it was a friend of a friend who shortly before they had approached me i'd found out that they were working on that they were part of this video game company and i mentioned it kind of offhandedly um it would be really cool to at some point work on a video game soundtrack or something like that it's for lack of a better word it had been on my bucket list for a very long time of something that i'd wanted to be involved in but the the opportunity never presented itself and so when i found out that this person was involved with the video game company i thought this could potentially be a cool thing down somewhere down the road um and then shortly after that she reached out to me again saying hey we have this game that's coming out in a week and our uh, our composer seems to have disappeared and didn't really provide oh. us with any music <laughs> so i being the the kind and enterprising gentleman that i am uh I'm I'm not that at all though. Um I she asked, "Hey, would you be would you be interested in helping us out with this?" I said, "Sure." Um a little bit naively not realizing how much work actually would go into that. Um Right. And so yeah, with a week uh with a week of prep time and a week of just a week. <laughs> wow. Um we we cranked out a bunch of songs really quickly um i did a bulk of the songs their actual music director did a couple of the songs as well um but i think the 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 soundtrack was the full soundtrack is maybe eight or nine songs total with me providing six of them so Ooh, that was all right incredibly nerve-wracking <laughs> yeah you've got uh uh, I guess uh, songs that can be attributed to you for the soundtrack. Um, is it Salem, Salem, Chalem? Um, or is that is that a specific game, a game specific uh, part? I believe it's pronounced Calum, and what they actually are, all of them for the most part, is. Um, the game itself is kind of like a like a visual novel type of thing, oh, and so okay. that explains most, a lot. Most yeah, most of those, with the exception of I think the exploration one, are sort of character specific themes. So like mm. the the one that you just mentioned is for one of the kind of one of the protagonists. I I guess. Oh, all right. Um, so that was their theme that would kind of flow through or yeah so when you know when that character is speaking or when that character is doing something that that theme would sort of be would be playing in the background so you associate this particular song with them okay and then that would also explain the next song which is genevieve yeah so another another one of the characters in there um I thought that was really interesting. Uh, sorry, I know that we're supposed to be talking about the one that we just heard, but I'm I'm doing this kind of in order of the songs here. Oh, there's but no I, rules here. I uh, I 
hey, I'm the host. I get to choose rules. No, um, so uh, I'm just going to say Chalem. That's that's what I'm going with. So the thing that I, I get from the difference between the two is Chalem is very... Uh, the the thing that stands out to me the most is is like the changes the, the like it it modulates a lot it seems like at least to me um uh the, i went through and i took some quick quick notes because i uh noticed that somehow after a while i will forget even if i have um y- you become desensitized to a song so i try to always write down the first impression and get that down uh, is is Chalem kind of a a character that is kind of mysterious or doesn't is is kind of wayward? Maybe I don't know. That's that was my impression from the the music. If that were a person, was what I was thinking. Yeah. And then I think like with Genevieve, there's this kind of this call and response kind of thing going on. Like you've got a higher part and then a lower part and a higher part and lower part. And they both reflect, the the two parts kind of reflect back, but in a slight different, like a different way. I didn't know if the those were, were you given direction on the characters? What what their personality or, or what they were supposed to be like? Yeah, um, I actually, I, I got the document that had been given to the to the original composer with sort of guidelines for what each character's, um, what, like a specific mood or a character trait that each, each character's theme should, um, should reflect along with, um, a number of other songs, some of them video game related, some of them not, that kind of also embody some of those moods. So not, not saying that, Hey, this should sound exactly like this other song, but just kind of here's a song that you can use as reference and mm. um, sort of take inspiration from that. So with Chalem, Calum, I, I'm still not sure. We're, let's just pronounce it different ways and call it a day. Um, <laughs> with, oh, There we go. Um, with, with that one, um, it was intended as being kind of one of the, one of the more positive characters in the game, for lack of a better word, one huh. of the ones that's trying to help and be sort of one of the one of the good guys for lack of a better word gotcha um, genevieve then, oh, yeah okay. i was gonna say uh genevieve was intended to be kind of more I th- there were like one of the sadder characters in the game one of the huh. ones that has kind of a, a little bit of a darker backstory and goes through hmm. some darker changes as the game progresses um God, I wish I could remember the specific things that were in the notes in retrospect. I should have oh, brought okay. those because they they were surprisingly specific in terms of what uh, what well, like what each character should sound like. Huh. I guess, for lack of a better word. So, uh, so Culum. I'm trying to do this whole pronounce different every time. Culum. Uh, is more of a brighter character is and the the music with that is also very you've got more mm, i didn't write this down but this is how i'm remembering a lot more like these soaring arpeggio kind of thing where it's going up and down and you've got a pattern and then that pattern like modulates and then resolves to hope or resolves to like dissonance and uh it, it just it has that striving 
character that's we're just all hoping you know yeah we can do it yeah that's uh, you really can do it is actually probably a really good way to way to describe it too i was um i was trying to go for just kind of you know light airy friendly something Mm. nice um yeah compared to some of the other ones that just kind of get really dark and gnarly so were there other characters that were written uh, besides your two or i mean musically written um i think it was just it was just the two characters and then with um the exploration theme serving as just kind of a kind of another backdrop to the game like sort of ambient background music for Uh another portion of the game um but then each each character's theme essentially was then revisited for the for the end of the game so changing in some significant way so that's that the the two uh reprise yeah oh exactly so those are like at the end yeah so you you know you would hear that and you 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 see how for example like genevieve's character changes throughout the game and then Hmm. there's this this kind of darker and grimier track to uh to reflect that interesting so it's in i i find it fascinating that the two that you know exploration and demolition demolition uh both like exploration i want to think that it's going to be this brave new this beautiful new world that you're you're breaking into you're exploring you're going into but it kind of hit me as pretty like aggressive like like exploring or maybe not aggressive but uh more threatening foreboding more i don't know if does that even make um, i think um and and maybe i'm i might be making this up right now but i'm i'm pretty sure uh spooky was somewhere in the description for Mm. that song of what uh what it should sound like that sounds about Um, right and 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 another another thing too is that like the the working title for it for that particular one was stranger things so it was it was a challenge of how how do i make something that that sounds kind of like survive a little bit maybe but without Mm. just completely ripping them off well that Certainly that lower synth is definitely reminiscent of some of the Stranger Things uh, music. Yeah. But I can't, I can't specifically say, well, I mean, it's, it's like, I, well, I was going to say, I can't specifically say that it was, it completely reminded me of Stranger Things, but with the reference of Stranger Things, I can recognize like that synth sound of that wall at the bottom going on. And it does definitely remind me of the the opening credits kind of thing. I and, I um, had the the, ar- the arpeggio from the that was kind of playing in the back of my head the whole time. So uh, it was I I'm I'm listening to this thing in the back of my head very very closely, and then also thinking, mm. uh, please don't do this. Yeah, like, get as far <laughs> away from this as you can. So uh, I guess so with that reference, and do exploration and demolition actually? Uh, are they, are they near each other in the storyline or do you know or um, um 
Yeah, demolition is it's one it's another one of the, you know, end themes that does specifically act as kind of taking that taking the exploration theme and just there there's a lot of uh bad endings to this game for lack of a better word oh um, i see um so what makes me surprised is that demolition with a name like demolition you would think that it's this one hit me more as has more hope in it than exploration did which i thought was kind of interesting that um that delay you've got on the or it it may even i don't know if you added the delay but the actual rhythmic quality of the drum and it has that uh that repeat that kind of fades off into the distance and how those those parts interact but this kind of goes into the actual exploration reprise of servitude because it that rhythmic quality it seems like in that servitude part it it like not in a bad way but it the the rhythm from the delay it kind of trips over itself a little bit and actually i mean it's like it's falling over itself in some ways the rhythm and it and not in a how do i say it in in a way that's not negative sounding cuz i love that kind of thing where it's like it's kind of ganging up on each other and it just builds upon itself I mean, um, for what it's worth, um, I I described there's a, there's this band that I really like called Crawlis, hmm. and it's I I described their stuff to somebody else as um, this is what it sounds like when you just throw a drum set down a set of stairs, <laughs> and I mean that in such a good way because uh-huh. it really it's like this just frantic over the top drumming it's it's fantastic. So I I don't know I see something like the the rhythm's kind of tripping over itself, that's kind of a good thing. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. I think I think yeah. In context, context matters for everything, and there's there's ways to say something like like that and have it come off as negative. But I think for especially in this context too, I I see it as a pretty positive thing. Yeah. I mean, it, I do under I I I understand why you chose servitude as the the example of should i say the cut from this soundtrack um but i'm kind of curious what made you choose this one as the example exemplum of the is it one of your favorites or is it just one you thought kind of fit your you know your writing style the best or it gave an example of your talents that kind of thing i don't know um for me, I I did like that one more just because it it was kind of a lot. It was a lot gnarlier. I use that word a lot in day to day conversation. Um, but it was it, like it it took something that was already heard throughout the game pretty regularly. That sort of exploration thing, the do 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 that, mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. But then kind of taking it and just ripping it up a little bit, making it huh. sound just a little bit grosser, a little bit gnarlier, a little bit just rougher around the edges in general. Um, hmm. And on top of that, too, uh, the one of the other one of the other writers asked if I could throw a little bit of the Genevieve theme in there, too. So it was kind of cool to throw right. this little moment of what almost sounds like hope a little bit in the right in the hmm. in the 
in the middle, but then have it come right back to just gnarly synths just kind of hitting you over the head. Yeah. So with with this, did you did you write this out in MIDI or did you just did you play this on the keyboard? Um or it was sequencer or whatever is what I was A little bit about. of both. Um most of the most of the writing was actually done, you know, with a keyboard and then going back and, you know, realigning certain notes, adjusting certain, adjusting where, where certain mm. notes landed. But I, I did try and at the very least write as much of it while, while physically playing the parts. Um, I think there, there's definitely value in just kind of clicking notes, notes into the sequencer and that's that's a really good way to do it, honestly, especially if you're mm. just, you know, workshopping things in your own head. Um, but for me, I knew that I would inevitably have to go back and on each note, I would have to, if, if I click everything in automatically, I would have to readjust velocity levels and just bump mm. notes around anyway. So eventually I just said, well, it's probably just easier if I play them. It'll, gotcha. it'll save me a lot more work in the long run. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week, they can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Which movement was the first movement that you started working on? Ah, uh, that is a very good question. I'm trying to remember. It was definitely one of the. It was one of the first three on the soundtrack. Like not none of the ones that are uh, reprises. Mm. Um, those I, I came back and I finished them after after finishing the first three, since I knew the first three would just, they would be reworked as end themes, but God, I can't remember which one I started with. When you started writing the soundtrack, did you, uh, did you envision, did you pick keys? Did you say like, oh, I'm going to start this out in F major because it's so pastoral or did, you know, like the doctrine of affections, that kind of thing where keys mean a particular thing. I, I do that all the time, so I'm just curious. As somebody that writes, inter- that wrote instrumental music, you know, you don't, you don't have words to necessarily convey certain things. So then you use every tool in your yeah. trick box. Um, it was less. It was less about keys. Only, and the only reason it was less about keys is honestly, despite having been playing music since I was 13, and I'm 27 now. So for the better half of my life. Um, my knowledge of even the most, 
basic music theory is to me very, very seriously lacking. Um, so mm. it's, it's hard to think of, I'll, I'll go into it with this specific key in mind, which I think is also maybe part of the reason why I have such a hard time writing solo stuff. Cause I can never even pick a good starting point. But in still what I tried to keep in the back of my head was less, I, I looked at it less as the like specific notes and chord changes and more, I would try to, I would try to build the sound itself first, like trying to build this specific synthesizer patch that I really like that I think would communicate this feeling of airiness or something hmm. darker or, you know, something kind of nostalgic feeling. Um, I kept in the back of my head too, just like a, a musician that I, I, or not so much a musician, but I guess a group of musicians that I always kind of refer back to a lot when thinking about synthesizers and how to effectively manipulate them to elicit an emotional response is I think hmm. about boards of Canada a lot. Cause I think oh, they yeah. do an absolutely phenomenal job with using these really, these very rudimentary tools and shaping them in a way that it really does kind of hit you in the feels a lot. So I, so that's kind of how I started with, I would, I would start with a sound and then from there try and try to find the notes that best fit the sound for that particular mode. So when you write uh, a progression or a line, um, one thing I at least noticed with the, the soundtrack is that a lot of the themes, uh, I want to say kind of steer clear from traditional scales, if that would work. Um, I, maybe not traditional scales, but but instead of what you would normally associate with a like going to the tonic, you wouldn't like you. Uh, okay, actually, let me back up. Your scales hit me more modally than they do like tonically or major or minor. Yeah, it's it's like a you know it's the established scale that's within a key, but just askew a little bit. Because there's sometimes where it's like the line is going and it's reaching and you, your your ear is going, okay, it's going to resolve up here. And then instead of, instead of hitting that note, it's a step below or it's a full step below. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> it's either a half a step below yeah. or, it's a, or it's a full step below where it's just like it's reaching, but it's not making it and same thing with reaching towards the bottom is that there's when you think it's just gonna hit the bottom and resolve it it just is like it it doesn't make it and i don't know it was that necessarily intentional or were you thinking like oh i'm gonna make this this part that it's like it's reaching for great things but it just doesn't make it or were you thinking Let's make this otherworldly and um, why focus on traditional uh, music in the bass? Sometimes my questions are a little leading. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not leading, uh -huh. but it's, you know, again, it's, it's interesting to, to kind of hear somebody else analyze your, your music or not even music, but anything that you, you create to kind of hear somebody else's take on it because you do when as you're making something you have this this specific idea in mind or you know you have this approach and then kind of hearing how somebody else interprets that approach mm. even if it's ultimately 
even if it's ultimately the same, um, there, there's like, nobody's going to interpret it exactly the same way you do. So, and that's, that's kind of a cool thing. Um, in this case specifically, I, I didn't go into it with the intention of, you know, working in, you know, working in tonics or anything like that. But I think when, when you do hear major and minor scales a lot, Mm-hmm. And you hear them a lot in most music, right? Um, after a while, it it becomes like you you can think of what you can sort of find predictable ways to resolve things, or right. you know what what would be expected. And it's kind of nice to intentionally break away from that a little bit. And I didn't I didn't think of it in that context of you know I'm I'm trying to make this unpredictable. But it, it was more okay, and I, I know what what would be expected here. I'll do something slightly different, something that sounds that right. might add a little more character to it. Do you know what platform this video game is being released on, or it's um, it's for the it's for the PC? And actually, just to to add a little more context to that too, of what the game itself is, it's it. It's one of three games and in an oh. anthology, and the anthology w- and they they all kind of revolve around a similar theme. And this this anthology was created as part of a game jam. And for anybody unfamiliar with that, what that is is developers are given x amount of time to sort of build a game from scratch and that's including you know the game itself writing the story everything within an arbitrary amount of time some game jams are like 24 hours in this case this one was a month-long one that was specifically geared it was specifically for these visual novel type of games and for anybody unfamiliar with visual novels even though i mentioned that earlier it's essentially kind of like a choose your own adventure game uh, okay but, but also in comic book form a little bit <laughs> right well i mean it's it's a choose your own graphic novel yeah that's yeah that's exactly what it is um yeah. but you know with in you know with, with with these folks they did put a lot of work into developing the characters developing a storyline so by the time mm-hmm. that i had been sort of pulled on board everything was like 90 percent done so i had to wow. i had to sort of dive scramble. in scramble There was certainly scrambling. There was a lot of scrambling at the end there. really do just need to step back from it for a very long time because honestly this mm. this was one of the no i'll say this was the first thing that i've ever done as a solo artist and said hey this really represents um, uh, the kind of sounds that i have playing in my head all the time the kind of stuff that i would like to do on my own um in in the context of it was done under this really really intense time crunch i think that that part of it mm. kind of I, st- I still associate it with that with that level of stress and anxiety a little bit and realistically like it wasn't it wasn't even that much music at the end of the day it's only like 15 20 minutes of music tops but 
one of the reasons why this was the first thing I've ever done as a solo musician is because it's I, I get very, very hypercritical about mm. the stuff that I, I work on solo. And so I I kind of had to throw that out the window with this. And I think that led to just being really, really nervous about the whole thing. Right. Right. I'm not sure if that's maybe the, the best way to describe it. Yeah, you know, that, that self-doubt is uh, pervasive, for for lack of a better word. Especially so when you're, when you're like, doing something completely, completely solo like this was hmm. a, it was a new experience because up until now in the, God, how long has it been? The 11, 12 years that I've been a active musician it's always been in the context of I'm working with other bands. I'm working with other people. There's, right. you know, somebody, there's somebody else I can show this to and they can say, Hey, this is good. Or, Hey, this is bad. Here's how I would change it. And you, you play off each other a lot more. And I know there's, there's a lot of people that can make that transition really easily. And for them, like to be able to work solo, it's kind of a liberating thing. For me, it was, it was a lot harder to do because all of a sudden, like the only person that's that's telling me that I should change this thing is me. Right. And I'm saying that over and over again. And it's, it becomes like this, this kind of just this anxiety inducing thing of, Oh God, this, mm. this really isn't that good. Is it? Did you record that with your own software? Or did you take that into the studio or did you bring that uh, somewhere to be recorded? Is what I'm saying, I guess. Um, most of it was just kind of done in the box, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Most of it was just, um, you know, virtual instruments. I did, a friend of mine was nice enough to lend me another synthesizer that I used for a couple of the pads as well. Mm. And for that, uh, for Calum's theme, I recorded a little bit of a kind of a washy guitar part that goes over everything. But for the most uh. part, everything was just kind of done in a bedroom, mostly inside a laptop. So... Yeah. Which well, is, technically, this is a bedroom, so, you know, I... <laughs> yeah, but for for yeah. the listeners at home, uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. My my bedroom did not have nearly as much stuff. Yeah. It was kind of nice to be to work like that, though. It's, it's, it's kind of cool to go from having to deal with a thousand moving parts of 20 amps and a drummer and all right. that, too. Oh, well, here's just my laptop and a bunch of, a bunch of audio and MIDI tracks. So I guess I'm going to go into some of your other instrumental groups. Mm -hmm. So if we look at Acker or, say, Marathon, I think it's interesting that, well, uh, Marathon is is definitely unprescribed. I don't know if that's the right word. Like, you don't, you have a theme and you have an idea, but you don't necessarily have a cage with it. There, There are... There are parameters to a certain yeah. extent, but you're not caged in and it's building off of the experiences of those around you and, and you feed off of yeah. each other. Um, and with Acker, you, that's definitely more prescribed. If, if, I mean, didn't you, it's, it's all written, correct? Or did, was there any improvisation? I didn't get the sense that there was any improvisation. It had a free flowing quality about it, but it, it didn't. It, it hit me as a little bit more uh, formula than than does that yeah. did that make sense I no I, it does in this it's it's not it's definitely 
you're you're not the first person to say that about marathon too um with with acker yeah everything was a lot more a lot more structured out and you know we we did kind of we had song structures in mind at once we wrote the songs and then when we would perform them we we stuck to those structures with you know occasional little flourishes and things like that with with marathon it's less there there's definitely there's always there's always a structure there but we do play kind of kind of fast and loose with it like to to go back to the to the cage metaphor you know comparing the two with acker yeah we were more or less kind of locked in a cage in terms of how the songs themselves were played um with marathon the we're still in that cage but the cage mm. door is also open so we can kind of just get out and walk around and see what else I is see. happening and then maybe come back to it if we feel like it or go into another cage there's well, lots of cages well the the thing that i think of is you know the you recorded sanctuary maybe in my own thought process i say you know I do not have the brain power to actually memorize structure over 35 minutes. So it, in a, in a certain way, there's that, there's that particular aleatory quality that, that seems to crop up in the music. Acker just felt really solid in terms of, I, I felt like we would get, I'm not sure what my point is, but I'm just, I, I think I am, uh, over analyzing at this point without having thought of it before <laughs> between the two the, your two bands that yeah um, that I really I guess I was thinking of two two bands that you've been in that have a little bit more uh, are a little bit more free uh, compared to what you had to do with this solo project and, yeah um, I I feel like it's so. Anyway, go go ahead. You were going to say something. No, and I think especially comparing Sanctuary and and the stuff that I was doing with Acker at the time, I think it's comparing, like looking at the two side by side is a very valid comparison to make too. Um, You know, with with Marathon, both myself and Michael, the other other guitarist from Acker, um, we were both in that. We were involved in recording Sanctuary. He was involved with recording the album that came after Sanctuary as well. And I say came in that the album exists. It's just not released yet. And who knows? Get when on that. Who knows when that'll happen? Uh, do you know if it's going to be? If it, if it is released, will it be released on vinyl? We are kicking around a few a few different options with that. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen with that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but going back to comparing the two, like beyond just the fact that, you know, half of Acker was also on Marathon, the, <laughs> the approaches were also completely different. And, you know, with Acker, where it was very rigidly structured of, all right, we go from part A to part B to part C to part D, and it's like there's all these really, there were a lot more of these intricate changes and a lot of, it, it felt a lot more intricate. So going from that to something like the marathon record where it was, it was this more free flowing thing. It, it felt very, it felt very liberating and kind of like you could, I could explore something that I wouldn't necessarily be able to do in the context of Acker, which was really, really cool. And then even, even talking about like how the way we performed that album sanctuary was the the way we performed it live 
was very similar to the way we recorded it in that from start to finish, I think there were maybe 13 sections total with kind of just gradual changes happening between the two, the most dramatic change happening from kind of side A to side B, but it was all still kind of seen as one, one big chunk. And the way we would move through everything was that Brandon, the bass player, was also essential because he, he was the one that came up with the structure and essentially wrote a majority of the piece and gave us gave us the notes to follow for this. He was also kind of acting as a conductor. Right. To where, you know, so we would start off in the same place and we, we would all just kind of go through it. He would, And then he would raise his hand to like number two or something like that. Huh. And then we would go to the next piece and then and then so on and so forth. And that's something that has kind of stayed with with Marathon ever since. But it's it has gotten a little more structured, especially in, you know, this past year or so. So I so I guess to compare to compare the two is where, you know, with with Acker, where everything was very rigid for the most part. With Marathon, all the all the chunks themselves are still they're still there, they're still written out, but it's when you get to those parts, it, it kinda always varies. Okay. Well I, I I've never seen how that or heard how that's communicated in yeah. terms of the that there are sections and I mean it, it, it's not just all random sounds going on, so there has to be some measure of structure it's so but i i never knew exactly how it was how it was put together or even um how loosely it was communicating as 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 a section well um brandon if you're listening right now sorry i just uh i just revealed all our secrets all of them all of them I mean, I mourn when things change in the in the music scene where it's just there's not as many venues anymore, and I just anyway, yeah, and it's kind of a bummer. It it is, but I and um, I'm actually really glad that we're hitting that topic too because it's it's definitely it. I feel like it's kind of on an upswing again, um, particularly with a place like the IMC has really kind of become Oh yeah. I don't I don't want to say in in vogue sounds like a weird way to put it, but it's it is becoming kind of a, you know, a more a more prominent space again and one that a lot of people are seeing as a viable space to use for shows and things like that. And I I think a lot of that has to do with a change in management and with somebody that's wow. a lot more like that that is really conducive to letting things like that happen and i think that's that's really cool too because honestly after the death tower stopped doing stuff and after Mm. mike and molly shut down it it really felt like there wasn't a place to go if you wanted to put something together that was a little bit kind of right left of center if that makes sense like just something that's a little a little off right and the imc so far has been wonderful for that and that they've let they've enabled a lot of really cool shows to happen there um and i think if they continue doing what they've been doing for the past year plus i think that that's going to be a place that is is going to 
be really really significant again and i'm really excited about that and i'm a little disappointed that i'm going to be moving soon because i would love to see where that goes and what happens with that listeners that don't know the imc is the independent media center it is in urbana it is right by lincoln square mall um one of the things that and i'm sorry to kind of hijack this just a little bit please hijack tell everybody all the good things um, that they've been doing But one of the things that I think that is amazing about the IMC is that shows there are all ages. And I'm not saying that it isn't always... I'm not saying that good music is always appropriate for uh, younger children, because I believe that there's certain things that have to be explored that are above the the typical age uh, for younger children, what should I say? Um, But... How many, I try to think of if we really are to foster a great music scene, the best thing to do is get kids seeing positive role models of people that are playing music, being able to express themselves, being free. And um, I mean, it, it. sorry, I'm just, <laughs> here's my wonderful tangent. You know, it's not going to be the politicians that save us. It's going to be the the artists and those that have learned to use their voice. I, I just feel that if we are to raise a society, as it, as it were, um, that to allow uh, people to see how voices can be raised in a positive way, in a defiant way, um, and know that their voices are being heard, um, I I think that that starts with art and music. So, anyway, no tangent I, over. But I, I mean, think we that's, should stay I on mean, that that's tangent the, a little bit, actually. Okay. Um, and to kind of to kind of go along with that a little bit too is I, you know, I, I do agree with that completely, especially in terms of making shows that are accessible to as many people as possible, both you know, in terms of age and just who they are. Period. And I think that's what's cool about you know certain certain house venues that are still active right now. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking specifically you know Blips and Chits has become a really yeah really prominent space. Um, Casa de Sasha is a cool one as well. Um, Ghost Planet. Ghost Planet is unfortunately not going to be a thing oh, anymore that's at, the right. the, at the end of this month, and that is incredibly heartbreaking because. I, I remember mm. them as Dingbat Dungeon when I like when I had just started doing <laughs> things around here. Oh. So it, it's it, and it sucks to see places like that close, and you know God knows the places that were around here seven eight years ago they're not here anymore. But and mm. th- I think that's what makes the IMC especially important too because the house venues are fantastic. I absolutely love Casa de Sasha. I absolutely love Blips and Shits, and I absolutely mm. love Ghost Planet. But they are very much places that kind of have to fly under the radar. Like, oh yeah, like you know, they're not like a super exclusive club, but you are sort of working outside of you know traditional means of putting something together. Um, you know, especially right. legally speaking, because they you know they are places that can't legally operate but do anyway, which is awesome. But right. and, and that's what's so nice about the IMC existing even and being able to allow this kind of thing to happen is because 
not only is this a place that's doing doing these kinds of very important things, but it's a place that is very readily open, re- very readily available. You don't have to message a friend of a friend of a friend to try and get an address right. to it. It's just, it's there. And they're, you know, they're allowing really fantastic, sometimes experimental, sometimes not. Just, you know, whoever wants to put something on there realistically probably can. Anybody and everybody. Yeah. Pretty much. And, and that's and that's why I'm so excited about what's happening with it and why I wish I could, you know, as, as I'm going to see it grow to what it was again, because I've heard nothing but great stories about what it used to be like 10, 15 years ago, even more, hmm. even less than that, maybe. Um, well, it used to be you could come down downtown Champaign, well, 10, 15 years ago, you could yeah. come down into downtown Champaign any night of the week. And you could, if you really wanted to, you could bar hop to see different bands. Yeah. I mean, the only thing was, is you, you had to, you had to budget in the cover and I'm not saying yeah. that that's bad uh, because I think you should absolutely pay cover. And I think, you, you know, I think, you know, if you're getting away with five, seven bucks, you're, you're, you're getting away at a great deal. Yeah. Because most of the time, I mean... I don't know. It, it, if anything in the downtown area is playing, it's going to be of higher caliber. And yeah. you're not going to, I mean, you're not, you're not going to ever overpay. You should be paying yeah. 10 bucks. You should be paying 12 bucks. But I understand that money is tight. And I mean, if you're going to appeal to a college, college town, you have to at least fit within there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's worth it to throw down Honestly, if you're going to be able to have a latte, two or three lattes a day or something like something stupid like that, you should be, <laughs> sorry, I, I can't jump on that coffee thing because I love coffee, but it, yeah. Likewise. Yeah. But, but, and that's, but, and I think to, to kind of sing the praises of these places a little bit more, I think that's what's good about them. You know, if you, if you look on the listing for most of most of the shows that are happening at Blips or Casa de Sasha or even IMC for the most part, um, almost all of them will have, it, it's not, there's, there's usually like a recommendation of five to seven bucks if there's out of town bands, right. but they also have right next to that in parentheses, uh, pay what you can. So they are, you know, they're welcoming to anybody. Like if you, everybody, everybody is broke. God knows that's the case. Um, that you know they're they're still welcoming and accepting even if you can't financially afford it and they're willing to work around that if you if you can only kick in two bucks you know right it it is what it is but at the very least this band that is coming in from out of town has an extra two bucks to put towards gas or something like that right and i think things like that even though they are it's common practice in a lot of places but i think it it still it does a lot in terms of attracting other people and making making something feel more accessible when it otherwise wouldn't be um and that's what's exciting about these spaces that operate outside of the bar network like you know with with bars sure right i'm sure like there is always great music playing there i remember a ton of great shows have happened at cowboy monkey a ton of great shows happen at mike and molly's um all that great stuff and 
you know, both places very near and dear to me, but it's good to have spaces that would allow people that even like those bars, if, if something like that is out, out of their reach for means that are maybe not necessarily in their control, like in terms of finances or age or anything like that, it's good to have spaces that will allow that to happen. And again, that's, that, that is what's so important to me personally about the IMC and why I hope that they continue doing what the, what they've been doing because they've just been doing a phenomenal job of it what is your favorite non-musical thing something that i very frequently enjoy doing which is such a weird way to introduce something i like to cook <laughs> let's put nice. it that let's let's leave it at that no i i do i do like cooking a lot it's very much in in addition to satisfying a very very basic human need it's also for, for me, it's it's become like this weird kind of therapeutic thing where it's, you know, just kind of like anxiety reducing and it's it's just, it, I, it, it never feels like a chore to me and that's a really cool thing. Also very much enjoy cooking both with and for other people and trying to make it sort of this communal thing. Actually, some of, some of the best times I've had in recent months have been doing exactly that, just getting together with a bunch of people and either making a bunch of food with them or making a bunch of food for them. And that's, cool. that's been really, really fun for me. Constantine, it has been a pleasure to be able to, to finally meet you <laughs> and hear all of your musical endeavors. And um, I'm so sorry to say... That you'll be taking off. Um, hopefully, you'll come back and visit us, and um, you know, maybe I'll buy you a beer or something like that. The plan um, is to still hopefully come back and do things with uh, with marathon, especially oh, periodically. But, but I mean, yeah, realistically speaking, Asheville is only about eight hours away, and I say only because eight hours isn't that big of a deal. Well, I hope that we get to see Constantine sooner rather than later, and that we get to see Marathon play sooner rather than later. And uh, so definitely check out the IMC. You can find them on Facebook at the Urbana Champagne Independent Media Center. They're also on the web at ucimc.org. And uh, seriously... It you gotta check it out. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Sven reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Do you like inane babble? Do you like wasting lots of time? Well, Damien Duffy After Dark Podcast might just be right up your alley. Brought to you by Blue Box Studio. <laughs> you did five, four, three, one, two. That's confusing. Wait, yeah, there we go. Okay, okay. so you want me okay. to bunt. Got it. <laughs> bunt. Because it's hand gestures no. that no one can see. Yes. Anyway, okay, let's get ready. We're going to do commercial. I'm going to do it right now. You ready? Here we go. Do you hate yourself?
Do you wish you felt like you weren't a piece of shit? Listen to Damien Duffy After Dark and learn that there are people dumber than you. Damien Duffy After Dark. After Dark. After Dark. Like an adrenaline shot for your self-esteem.